So we came up with the weird plan last week that because I'm in Seoul, South Korea, and uh, my little Airbnb, I think now that I'm parsing out what's going on in there, I'm pretty sure the reason the walls are so thin is they took rooms and didn't just split them into two rooms. I'm quite sure each room is actually split into three rooms because I am in this like the tiniest little place. But yeah, it's like unbelievable how much I can hear the people next to me. If they just like clear their throat a little, it's like they're next to me. So, uh, so yeah, I'm standing outside instead using the hyper-powerful internet to do a podcast. <laughs> so uh, the only trouble is usually we do a little rundown about the show that we're going to watch first and then we watch the show and then we talk about what we thought about the show but uh, I was kind of pressed today I didn't have a ton of time I didn't get all my stuff together so let's just watch the show and as we watch the show I'm going to do a little sneaky research so then when we come back after I can both give us a rundown about the brief history of this show and we can talk about the show so the show, I believe you're the one who brought this up. Uh, I don't know when this was, probably a while ago because we've been doing spy type shows for a while. It's the show Danger Man. Oh yeah, 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 Patrick McGowan. <laughs> yeah, so what, what do you know about old Danger Man? Danger, it, kind of an espionage type show. Very difficult to follow usually. You have to really pay attention to it, but then it kind of all comes together at the end. One of those kind of shows. It's not just one that you can kind of keep running to the fridge and feeding your face while you're watching the show. You'll miss too much of intrigue that's going on. British. Well done. That's what I was just going to ask. Is it, is it British or American? Because that does seem to be what has happened so far is the American shows have been much easier to follow and the British ones much more esoteric. Yeah, so like I said, I'm going to do a little weird sneaky research while we watch this show. But another reason why I grabbed this show, I I figured this could be kind of a two-for-one for the future because as I was briefly looking into it, the episode we're going to watch, it's season two, episode three, and it's called Colony Three. And the show The Prisoner, it's the same, the same main actor in The Prisoner, right? Yep. So what I was reading is that this episode is kind of, I guess this was kind of what gave them the idea for the prisoner, where this is an episode where the danger man goes to infiltrate this city that is, uh, you know, like set up to look like an American city, but it's actually for spies. And I guess the guy who created Danger Man, he liked that idea so much that there was a couple more seasons of Danger Man after this, but I guess this got the seed in his head to start developing the prisoner. And basically they stopped Danger Man earlier than they needed to because he wanted to do the prisoner so much. So I thought that could be an interesting episode to watch because not only do we get to watch an episode of Danger Man, but then at some point in the future when we get to the prisoner, we'll have seen the episode of Danger Man that set him off in that whole direction. Yeah, I don't really remember the prisoner. I, I watched a show or two of it, but I'm not really that familiar with, I know it's concept, but the, any shows, I don't really... I don't really remember them. I think I must have been in tr some transition in, in my life somewhere where I wasn't able to access it enough. It seems also kind of extra confusing, the little bit I looked into it, where it only ran one season, which seemed pretty unusual for back then. So it was just kind of one plot. And uh, you'll never guess why I know The Prisoner. It's because in one of the Halloween episodes of The Simpsons, there's a whole prisoner. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't understand it at all. I was like, that's a particularly bizarre Simpsons. What the heck is that? And then I looked into it a bit and apparently it's, you know, the prisoner. 
so yeah, I have a feeling the prisoner, especially if we only watch one episode, might might be extra weird. But that's uh, that's a problem for future us. So for today, we're gonna watch Danger Man season two, episode three. It's called Colony Three, and yeah, like I said, I'll look into you know just a little bit more about when did the show start, when did it end, basic details. But uh, but yeah, I just I was a little pressed for uh, a little pressed today, so I didn't get that done. So I'm gonna sneakily do my homework while we watch the episode. All right, so real quick, let me just give you the quick, uh, the research notes that I normally would have done before we watched. I don't have very much, just the basics, but just to, just to get those down. So Danger Man, which was retitled Secret Agent in the United States and in some other overseas markets was called Destination Danger and John Drake, a British spy action adventure series that was broadcast between 1960 and 1968. There were four series with 86 episodes. The series featured Patrick McGowan. Is that how you say his name? That's how I'd say it. As secret agent John Drake. And Ralph Smart created the program. And uh, the music was by a guy named Edwin Astley, which we don't often bring up the music, but I wanted to mention him because uh, the music in that show was really cool, especially the theme song at the start. That's kind of like a harpsichord thing. That music was really good. Uh, so here's a, something that is uh, a common occurrence for shows of this era. Ian Fleming was brought in to collaborate on series development, although he left before the development was complete. But like James Bond, the main character is a globe-trotting British spy, although one who works for NATO rather than MI6, who cleverly extricates himself from life-threatening situations and introduces himself as Drake, John Drake. So that's remarkably similar yeah, to Wild Bond, Wild West. James Bond, and, James Bond. <laughs> but also how we just did the Wild Wild West show, and that guy it was West, James West, <laughs> you know, so... Ian Fleming, like, I, I always knew James Bond was popular, but that guy was definitely on top of the world in the 60s. Everybody who did anything remotely spy-oriented wanted, wanted Ian Fleming in there. But then uh, after Patrick McGowan was cast, he affected character development because he was a family-oriented star, so his preferences were no firearms and no outright seduction of female co-stars, although Drake did engage in low-key romance in a few episodes. So, I mean, that's actually kind of a good thing to move away from that stuff, because otherwise, he is just James Bond. And then Transition to the Prisoner happened because McGowan resigned from the series, forcing its cancellation. Series 4 only had two episodes. They were the only two in color, because he'd been working on a new project entitled The Prisoner. Inspiration for The Prisoner came from a Danger Man episode called Colony 3, in which Drake infiltrates a spy school in Eastern Europe during the Cold War. But we'll get into more of that someday when we do The Prisoner. So as for that episode in particular, maybe you could do a quick rundown of the uh, of the plot because uh, I actually had some tech problems on my end. So the last 10 minutes I was only hearing the sound and you were having to tell me what was happening. I guess this is what happens when we try to do podcasts when I stand on a street corner. I wasn't properly prepared. So yeah, do you want to give the rundown of that episode? Very typical espionage British stuff where you're watching... I was going to say three quarters, but you're watching more than that. And you haven't got a freaking clue what's going on. You get the very, the basic idea that somewhere in, I don't know, somewhere in Europe, Eastern Europe, a school has been set up 
to train agents to become very British. Everything right down to the community is British. The buses are British. The food is British. So they will be British and eventually, I presume, will be introduced to Western European society as British people and will continue with their espionage. There's a girl in there who we, are, we haven't got any reason to believe that why she's even there, but eventually we she's going to be one of these spies too. Anyway, McGowan, of course, is suspicious all the way through and has been, been uh, ordered to go into that school representing somebody who is, has died to figure out what is going on and if it really, what's, what's going on. Of course, he's got all the little espionage tricks, like weird little, like at one point at the end, almost at the end where he kills the villain, he goes into a bathroom and he takes off a tap and in the tap is some contraption that he puts into a bag, which supposedly is some secret thing that he's going to release to the his British higher ups later on, but you're wondering, well, how the heck did that even get in there? Like, they never, <laughs> what is it anyway? So it's very typical of these British ones where you're you're watching it, saying, well, why are they doing that? What is the point of that? What is that thing that he's got? But finally, at the end, it all summarizes up in about a minute when he meets back in Britain with his head honcho types, and um, the way it ends, the school has been exposed. But you don't know how they're going to deal with that. Presumably that's for either some future episode or we never know. Maybe it's none of our business to know. Because in the world of spies, I guess all kinds of things happen that nobody knows why it's happening or who it's happening to or what the end result is. But it was a good show. Yeah, I especially liked, I mean, again, I just it was weird because I couldn't see it by the end of the episode because I lost the last 10 minutes of the hour-long show. But I thought that was quite a neat thing at the end where the woman who was part of the camp you know where he's like hey can we get her out is there a way to extract her and they're like well we can't because she doesn't exist you know it's the spooky spy world of like you know you're not really a person you're just you're just gone you're a phantom and anybody who was at that school they had taken on the identities of people who had previously died, whether they were spies or whether they were innocent people. I don't know who they were. We never get that explanation, but we know that they are all dead. And these people who are being created in the image of Britishdom are all uh, are all fake. Um, so, yeah, that's why she doesn't exist, because the actual person is dead. Yeah, it actually seems like the kind of thing where it's such a neat concept and like that idea of teaching people to act British or act American, like that is actually quite a tall order to iron out people's accents and stuff. And like, it's a very neat concept to like train people to infiltrate. It almost would have been nice for it to be less, you know, it's like the British overachieve in their TV too, too much sometimes, like a more straightforward version of this story seems like it would actually be really cool but from the sounds of it I mean it obviously did inspire them to go on to make the prisoner but from what I understand of the prisoner they didn't do that if anything they went the other way and decided let's make it even longer and even weirder but it was the same when we watched the Avengers that show where they went back to a British aerodrome back in time it seemed and while you were watching the show you really couldn't figure out like what what's going on here it was just weird. And then at the end, of course, it all kind of comes together. But you really had to pay attention to that show. You couldn't just uh, walk in in the last five minutes or whatever, watch a little bit of it and say, oh, yeah, that's what happened. 
No, you had to know all that stuff that was leading up to it. So they they really spend a lot of time creating that sense of of the viewer just not being aware. But the viewer, if they want to take an interest in the show and figure out what's happening, do have to pay attention to those details. Yeah, it is interesting how uh, in this era in particular, it's so hard to find a happy middle because this does seem to be happening so often where the British shows are, yeah, they're very contorted and they're almost like doing backflips to like make things complicated. But then the American shows like Wild Wild West and Man From U.N.C.L.E. were like, if anything, too straightforward, where the British ones were very complicated. The weakest part of Wild Wild West was the plot. So I don't know, it just, it's just weird that it's so hard to find a happy middle of like, you know, a plot that is a little more complicated than the American shows, but maybe a little less <laughs> super complicated than the British shows. The British, though, have been very big. If we went back and looked at a lot of that stuff that we watched, British television, once it kind of got off the ground and really started building in the 1960s, in the 70s, even their crime shows, same thing. Like uh, many times you can't have, you don't have a friggin' clue what's going on until towards the end when it all starts to fall into place. Whereas a lot of American shows, right from the get-go, you know what the issue is. You know who the villains are and you're watching to see how they resolve the problem. But it's not quite so convoluted as a lot of British TV is very like kind of like out there. And you're like, how does that even, how is that even relevant? But it does all fit at the end. It's actually funny too, now that you mentioned that, it's almost like with American shows, rather than move away from that, if anything, it's like they got deeper and deeper into that idea of just laying everything out in a clear, concise way until eventually they went so far that way that it became uh, a benefit with Columbo, where it starts with the murder, you know, and then you work backwards. So it's like they, they eventually got to somewhere really interesting with it. But yeah, instead of, they, they didn't go backwards. They just kept barreling ahead with that idea until they had turned the whole thing upside down, which is kind of cool in its own way. And even in Columbo, though, you know what the what the issue is and who the villains are. The whole thing with that show that makes it so stand out is that it's his psychological thing. Like, how is he going to resolve what you already know? Whereas in the British shows, you don't know any of this stuff. You don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. You know what this uh, made me think of, too, just this concept. Uh, have you ever seen the show? I think it came out probably almost 10 years ago now. It's called The Americans. I don't think so. I haven't seen it myself, but I was always really curious about it. The problem with doing modern TV shows is if we just watch one episode, it's kind of, you know, it doesn't really work that well. With old TV, you can watch one episode and you get a whole story where the problem is if we watch one episode of a new show, it's going to be, it's like a mega movie, you know, it's just one piece of a gigantic years-long puzzle. But I'm curious enough about it that maybe we should just check one out to see what it's like, because basically it's about, I believe it's Soviet spies, and it's a similar concept. You know, they've trained them to get rid of the accent and to be perfect Americans. So it's this American family that seems normal, but the truth is they're Cold War spies. And it's such a cool idea. And I've always been curious about the show and it won a lot of awards and stuff. So, I mean, maybe we should watch the first episode of that next week just to check it out because, again, the only downside is 
one episode is a little bit pointless. You know, it's one of these modern shows where you're supposed to watch 50 episodes. But uh, it just is a cool idea, and it might be neat just to see what the modern take on it is, because it is somewhat similar to this concept. Well, and if you watch the first show, they usually give you enough, like a, a background to, to get the setting. And that sometimes is all you need to kind of, to get you watching those future shows. Whereas if you jumped into the middle of this episodic thing that you're talking about, you might be left a little in the dark. And I just find the whole concept so interesting too, because there are so many, so many little things like, I always think of it, if you take it all the way, like, what if an alien came to Earth and they had to act like a person? There's like a million little tiny things that everybody does every day that you never think about. But if you did any of them wrong, you would really seem like a weirdo. You know, like, it'd be really hard to fit in. It's been done. Third rock from the sun. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Perfect example, yeah. But even on a smaller scale, like just uh, just cultural stuff, you know, being in Japan and now being in South Korea, or even when I was in the Netherlands, like the Netherlands, I guess, is a good example. I'm a tall, skinny, white guy. I look exactly like every Dutch person, but I very much felt like I didn't fit in because they have a whole upbringing of just, you know, Dutch stuff. I can't even say what it is because I don't know. That just made everything feel a little weird, and I was a little off step all the time. So that idea of trying to train someone to be something else, and then how do you even do that? You know, it's like, uh, like other, say in the Soviet example of the Cold War, if a Soviet guy tries to teach you how to be American, it's not going to go that well. So then what do you got to do? You got to kidnap Americans. And like, it's a whole to-do. <laughs> or even just accents. I mean, I don't think we have an especially strong accent, but there is a Canadian accent. And... The classic is out and about. For me not to say out and about in a Canadian way, I feel like I have to stretch my face like I'm the Joker, like a rictus grin. I have to force my mouth into a weird shape. And you know, it's just a small example. But what if I was uh, Dasvidaniya, I'm a Russian guy, I have to now, I must not speak like this. You know, like the whole thing is just fascinating to me. So yeah, I don't know, why don't we watch an episode of that next week and see how that goes. Sure. Sure, let's, uh, let's check that out. And even when you're speaking about accents, you say we have a Canadian accent. Even between East Coast Canada, Middle Canada, Western Canada, there's variations in how, how we pronounce words there. There's a tone <laughs> yep. there. So, yeah, so it's not even the same all across Canada. It's regional. Yeah, one weird example of that, there's a professional wrestler named Chris Jericho who's from uh, Winnipeg. And, you know, he'd always say, like, such and such a thing will never happen again. And he got a little bit famous for it. People thought it was just like a fun way that he was a theatrical way to say again. But he's like, no, just in Winnipeg, you say again. <laughs> That's the word. <laughs> you know, like he didn't realize he was saying it in this like fun way. He's like, I'm just from Winnipeg. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, and there's just a million little examples like that of all over the place of just different. Or, uh, well, since I'm in South Korea, the girl, Sunny, who uh, she was the one I mentioned last week, who was the first person to ever tell me how, uh, how much they love Anne of Green Gables here. I always think of the word vanilla because, you know, there's obviously vanilla lattes and stuff. We worked at a coffee shop. You have to use vanilla a lot. But not only did she not know the pronunciation of vanilla but because she had been taught english by other south korean people they taught her that it was vanilla with a b 
and she legitimately thought that was the word. So she was quite shocked to get here and realize like that her whole upbringing, they'd been teaching her the wrong words, <laughs> you know, because they didn't know either. And yeah, it's just like, yeah, like if you don't grow up with something, it's real hard to catch up. I remember uh, my mother went to school in the States and they pronounce water, water. Oh yeah, I've heard that. So for years, when we kids were growing up, we thought that water had an, an R in it, a middle R, water. Get me a glass of water. What? It's water. And the other one was chimney. You hear many people say the word chimney and they say chimney or pumpkin instead of pumpkin. Yeah, one thing, I don't know what region it's from necessarily, but when people swallow the T in like a word like button, you know, like you can say button or you can say button. And when you really parse out button, you realize there's not even a T in what you just said. You said button, <laughs> you know, just there's a million little things like that. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting. But anyway, yeah, so I guess, uh, I guess I should get off the street corner, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But once again, I think this more or less worked out okay. I got another, I think, five weeks here. Hopefully, once I get to Busan, I'll be in a slightly less ridiculous situation. But for now, this seems to be working okay. So I guess I'll meet you here next week for uh, another Standing on the Street Corner TV review. <laughs> okay. One final thing. We give Danger Man thumbs up.